Do you truly, in your heart of hearts, truly believe that this is a human being? This? Without a doubt. Without a doubt? Yes. This is a dolphin fetus. So let me Without a doubt, a dolphin so fetus is a human being. This is a human being. This is how simple it is. But quite different. That a dolphin in, in life you confuse dolphins for human babies often. So let me you go to Sea World and you're like, someone's got human babies in that aquarium. This podcast is scheduled for one fall. One fall! With a 60 minute time limit, coming out of the black corner at a combined weight of 666 pounds, recording to you from Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. I'm your boy Xander Hobbs. This is. And I'm Augustus Gloop, and let's get this going because time is of the essence. And once again, we are bringing you all the delicious news of the Wrestleocalypse. It is upon us like an Oompa Loompa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody would say we got top five wrestling stories that we think are relevant to you wrestle So let's get it going. First things first. Yeah, man, I love your number four. Let's talk about the man who's going to to take the belt from the collector, in my opinion. And in my opinion, too, we had the return of the hangman, Adam Page. And um, he was in a he was the wild card in the battle royal or the I'm sorry, ladder match. And um, yeah, he was a surprise entrance. He won the match. So he's locked in for a title shot. And the crowd welcomed him back with open arms. Yeah, man, I love the 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 text you sent me because I think it's so true. It's like even though they've got like Danielson and punk and it's like hangman's their guy. Yeah. You know, he is. And I think they know that too. And if they didn't, then um, Wednesday should, should tell them because he probably got the pop of the night over CM punk over Daniel Bryan. And um, you know, this is what they need to do. Yeah. Punk and Bryan are great there, but um, the, Adam Page is their man. And if they want to, they've been working on this for a long time now. And I think it would be, he would lose a lot of momentum, probably be just completely derailed if he doesn't end up taking the title from um, Omega. Yeah. And they have, again, it's like, it's really good long-term storytelling. They really, uh, with them having their tag team run was so good and how they wrote it, breaking apart was so good. And then, you know, it was nice seeing him kind of as the reluctant leader of the dark order. Yeah. Um, so I think all of it has been great. They brought him back only, only really, really poor booking can ruin this. Now it seems right. like his writing itself and I'm super excited about it. He's great in the ring. Like he's got a great move set. He's a big guy. He can do a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, how about that spot that he did when, um, 
what is it? Lance Archer was in there and all of a sudden you just see him flip in with the buckshot lariat to take him out. I thought that was just like perfectly timed and yeah, he hasn't missed a step and yeah, he's, he's the total package I think. And it's just funny too, because we'll get into this in our next um, topic on this. It's like when AEW first came out, they wanted him to be the guy, but he just wasn't quite there yet. And, you know, with some fine tuning, they really stepped him up. He really stepped his game up. And now we're getting the um, results of what they did with him, which is awesome. Yeah, I agree with that. So I love that. That was to me, one of the best things um, of the last couple of weeks uh, in wrestling, because we were all waiting for it. We knew he was taking some time off and, to have him back in the fold just really helps AEW uh, with the story. Um, And it kind of goes into, I mean, I don't want to get too involved in it, I guess, but we can kind of jump around and make it all work. But, you know, it's just AEW is really leaning into their youth push. And this was an odd end, but I think it ties in well. So I want to jump into it. It's like Hangman, MJF, Jungle Boy, Guevara, like they're even with the Danielson and the Punk, you know, on trays, you still got Miro and all these other rumors going on, but like they're all in on their young talent. I think that's one of the reasons why their product is so compelling. Right. And um, I'm going to get into it a little bit on um, with Punk and Danielson as well, but yeah, they um, they're doing everything. They're doing things well right now. So we'll um, see what happens. Yeah. I was a little bit surprised that they strapped Guevara. Yeah, me too. Me too. I thought there was still a lot of legs on that Miro title run. I'm not sh- I And I want to say they did it because it was the Brody Lee tribute show, you know, and I'm, that's just my guess. I don't know. But I thought there was still legs on that. There's still a lot of tread on those tires. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go with uh, Miro's uh, character. But definitely having Guevara won it was the crowd favorite as well. Right. Yeah, the crowd. And the thing is, why I'm not too up in arms about it is because the crowd seemed to like it. So, you know, and that's the most important factors of the crowds into it or not. So if they're into it, then, you know, legitimately, then why not? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, so moving on and up uh, a lot of moves and surprises through the WWE draft. Right. Yeah. I I only saw little bits and pieces of it, but I'm not getting too excited about anything because they do this all the time. So I'll let you take run point on this and we'll see what I'll just chime in here and there. Yeah. I think one of the, like the biggest surprises to me is you, they just reset, um, you know, they just reset. NXT with this whole NXT 2.0. And then it's interesting to see who got drafted up from NXT. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like one of the ones that obviously we're watching is hit row. They're on SmackDown now. Yeah, that was odd. Like they were like, they were one of the main points on NXT 2.0, but, um, I don't get that. And I don't really know if I trust, you know, Bruce Pritchard and Vince handling hit row, you know? So I don't, I'll just have to wait and see before I put any like stamp on it, but I just, I don't think it looks good for that right now. I don't know. 
No, I agree with you. It, it definitely made me kind of like scratch my beard. Um, I think I can see some things that could work, but I don't think they're going to get a huge push. No. So, uh, and the thing is with that too, it's like a lot of those guys with the exception of swerve are all of them are super green still. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the girl, what is her name? Something B or whatever. Mm -hmm. She had a terrible match with um, the other chick from Legato del Fantasma. Yeah. It was just clunky and bad and like she needs a lot of work. So unless they're just going to make her a valet for right now, then fine. But lots of those guys that they, they need some polishing. Yeah, I agree. And it, like what I felt when uh, B Fab is her name. Right. That's right. When B Fab, like her match, I was like, this is the shit that everyone threw flag with when AEW is putting product out like this. Right. Right. Like back like two years ago when they their females wrestling division was was so terrible um i think another a uh, couple things that i thought was interesting is like they really kind of uh shook up the women's division right right i noticed that too uh so flair went from raw to smackdown belair went from smackdown to raw um obviously the man she didn't get drafted until later on um and she went from SmackDown to Raw. Uh, the Hurt Business is back, which is right. great. Love that. Um, so definitely like the whole. And then they also they brought in like Zia Lee went from NXT to SmackDown. And I swear to God, like how I don't think I've ever like she's how many times has she wrestled? Right. And she and it looks like they broke up that little Mortal Kombat Supernatural um stable that they had in nxt because whoever that lead person was took an l on the show yeah and so that that shows you that's that's done and um yeah i mean look at they it doesn't matter who's on what show if you're not booking it properly so that's why it's like i'm I, i'm really just going to get around to it and what, see what i see is because like it's just it's just going to be more of the same but what i did hear though is that Vince is really um, digging on the demon. So I think we're going to be seeing more of them from what I've heard, because, you know, like we were saying before, that's why we're in a, an influential podcast is that he's marketable. You know, you can put that on shirts, you can put that on masks and, you know, it's so hopefully if those rumors are true, then we'll be seeing more of Finn Balor in that um, persona. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, what do you make about Edge going to Raw? I just feel like he had other things to do. Is Rollins still on SmackDown? No, Rollins is on Raw too. Okay, maybe they'll continue that because they still yeah. have unfinished business. Right, and Big E is on Raw. Right. So it's interesting. The whole thing is interesting. I think the other thing that really uh, made me kind of scratch my head was, or made me excited, I should say, is are we going to see Sheamus and Cesaro back together on a tag team? I hope not. Why? Because you want because you want Cesaro to continue to get buried as a single wrestler? I mean, no, but I just <laughs> they just don't need to be. We've we've been through that. They've been a good tag team, but if there was like other viable tag teams to wrestle them, then fine. But there's not, so it's just going to be another makeshift deal. I it'd be cool for like a one off, but other than that, no, I don't want to see them together. No. Sorry. What do you think about all the hubbub? Lastly, on this is um, former Olympic wrestler Gable Stevenson debuting with the Raw brand. 
Yeah, what's his deal? Like, I, I haven't heard too much about it. I don't know. I just, I'm just afraid they're going to bring him in. They're going to start calling him Shorty G. They're going to make him take a bunch of jobs, even though he's a legitimate wrestler. I mean, we've seen this before with other people. Yeah, but other Olympic big, wrestlers. Yeah, so. but he's a big dude. And like, that's apparently McMahon's like, you know, our, you know, bread and butter right there. So I will see what happens. I don't, I'm not really too hyped about, I don't feel one way or the other about him. So I'm just going to have to see him like and see what they do with him, honestly. Yeah. I just feel like every Olympic wrestler who gets a contract from WWE should like pay a little bit to Kurt Angle. Right. Yeah. Because it's like they're all just with Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Well, right. Brock Lesnar wasn't in the Olympics, but I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so, yeah, the WWE draft changed everything up for TV. Not really that it matters. And not that we even care about the next pay-per-view because it's going to be uh, it's all blood money. So, right. We're moving on from that. I like this one, though. We just clicked two years of AEW. That's all elite wrestling. AEW running on all cylinders, but over the last two years, we want to talk a little bit in review, the pros, the cons, and what we see for the future, right? Right. Yeah, like, so we were, you know, we were on the cutting edge, like I said. And so, you know, with the women's division, they've stepped that up a little bit. That was one of their biggest cons. Um, the booking was a little bit nonsensical, you know, putting just their friends on the air and, you know, putting them up against people that we don't really care about. And kind of the guys, the main guys like Omega, the Bucks kind of taking a back seat. that's been changed. So that's there for the better, obviously, you know, spending more time on talent, <laughs> developing them. And um, that's been good. I mean, so, you know, the Bucks being there, <laughs> Omega being the title holder, it's been, the, that's what's been supposed to happen, you know? So I agree with that for the pros on um, the cons. This is going to be slightly of a nitpick. It's like, so, and don't let me finish before we get into this. So CM Punk and Brian Danielson coming in. Great, great pickups. Um, but here's my deal. Like Brian Danielson, you saw when he was in that match with um, the Jurassic Express against the super elite he felt like he stuck out of that crowd like a sore thumb. Like you could tell he was big time with his striking, with his presence. And I'm not saying CM Punk is in big time, but it's like you want to get excited for him. And I'm just really I was excited for him to fight Darby Allen, but I'm not as excited for him to see, fight Hobbs or Daniel Garcia on Rampage. It's like, yeah, he wants to help out the younger guys, but help out the younger guys that are actually like up. You know, Darby Allen was like the cutting edge or the, the, the ground floor. Sorry, I keep saying that. So you need to kind of move up. And he came, kind of went down on the card. So I think Punk needs to be a, booked a little bit better. And I think all this booking is him doing that because he wants to work with these guys. But people want to pay to see him fight like MJF or like even one of the even um say I like um sorry, dude, I'm drawing a blank. MJF or, you know, one of the upper card heels. And I think that's one of the cons, but it's a small con. And I think once people, you know, get over him being there and it's not this, oh, shucks, I'm glad to be back. We'll get more of the ornery, snarky punk and that'll kind of fix it. And for the future, for me, I just think that they should, they need to keep booking like they are. And, you know, 
kind of maybe stop, take a step back on picking up so many guys right now because the roster's kind of packed and they barely have enough time to get the people in that they have right now. Hence all the 30 second clips. So it's, they need to figure out way more ways to like feature, move some guys up the card, move some guys on the elevation and dark, and then just keep doing the right things, you know, keep doing what they're doing correctly. Sorry, that was long winded and kind of broken up. I got thrown off. No, it's all good. I agree. Like, so the pros of the two years of AEW, I'm going to take a little different tact. Um, one is they definitely have revolutionized kind of inter-promotional agreements, which I think is just better for the industry. And, and I feel like the talent really likes it because, you know, that's one of the things like Adam Cole, the opportunity to work some NJPW dates and to like do that stuff it, for these guys is is one of the reasons they're making decisions on signing with AEW. So I think the whole forbidden door that is always swinging open, I thought was, was a huge pro with what they've done. Um, I think the cons, I think exactly as you kind of finished, it's like they've just, they've been absorbing so much talent, which has been good because they've expanded their television offerings, obviously, but you have to service that talent. And a lot of that talent comes with, not necessarily expectations from the talent, obviously, you know, to me, like you said, CM Punk is kind of booking himself very similar to how Kenny Omega and the Bucks did. I mean, the Bucks job to private party, like when, when the whole thing just started, like, come on, like they're the best tag team in the world. Like, and I feel like, you know, CM Punk and though I granted, I liked, I like the, the fact that he may be feuding with Taz. I feel like that's cool. Um, But I agree with you. Like, you know, going from Darby Allen, who was like, again, we talked about the youth push, uh, one of the great young wrestlers that AEW has, super over with the crowd. Um, but to go from there to like kind of these mid carders, uh, doesn't make not much even mid card like lower mid card, lower mid card, like not even like really shouldn't even be on. Uh, yeah, Dynamite. like Daniel Garcia, that guy looks like he's fresh out of wrestling school, and it's like, you know, we said like you know getting getting in the ring, Darby Allen getting in the ring with CM Punk. Like that gives them the rub, but like really in essence, when you get the rub, when you win and it's like with Darby Allen, he, yeah, he got big exposure, bigger exposure, I should say. But like when it's, you're talking Will Hobbs and um, Daniel Garcia, you, we know that Punk's going to win and they're not getting a rub. You know what I mean? And it's like, if you really want someone to get the rub, put them in a ring, put them in the program with CM Punk and they actually have them win. And maybe this will, and I, I'm just like, I'm just playing hypothetical with you guys. So, cause who knows, I'm, eventually we'll see a punk heel turn to where it becomes that snarky guy, but we're just kind of riding out the honeymoon phase of the situation. But I just like, there's not many cons right now for me with AEW, unless like, you know, you want me to really dig in deep, but I don't have that time. But to me, that's like the biggest one because that was their, one of their top acquisitions. And he's just like another guy. You know, I don't really want to see him wrestle Hobbs or Garcia. I want to see him wrestle some of the top dudes in AEW. Yeah, no offense to Daniel Garcia, but Daniel Garcia no. sounds Daniel Garcia sounds like the name of a jobber. Right. Like, and you it's, know, like it's like the guy's good and they're talking about his MMA game, but I was talking to Janine about this. It's like he just looks like a dude. And people complain about that, I know, but it's like this guy's good, but what what else is there? He's with those two other guys that aren't doing much for him, the Ever Rise, but it's just, yes, punk. Yes, it's cool that he wants to help out the people. That's awesome. But it's like, 
you also want to put butts in seats and you want people to watch. So, <coughs> yeah. And the future is bright is all I can say. Yeah. I mean, the future for AEW is bright. If they just keep on the tack they're going, they've got, like we said, a shit ton of young talent who is ready to come up and make hay. And um, the crowd is definitely hot for a lot of this young talent. Certainly Hangman Page, certainly Darby Allen, certainly Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Certainly MJF. Jungle Boy. Yeah. MJF. Certainly MJF. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. And like, even like John Silver is dope. Like, yeah, you could go down the list of the talent that they've got. Britt Baker, dude, like Anna J. Like, yeah, you know, and which is like another con I should just say since we're there right now. It's like, get her out of the dark order because she doesn't belong there. And like, you know, it's, it's, she just doesn't fit in with that group. And, and then same with the Hardy family um, group. They don't, none of those guys look like they would hang out together. In, yeah. life, in real life, yeah. you know, and that's the whole purpose of the stable. You're supposed to ride together and you have Butcher and Blade, then you have Hybrid 2, then you have Private Party. Like, talk about a hodgepodge of shit. Like, it's just, let's like start matching people up who we could actually see together. So that's another con now that I remembered it. Yeah, but I'm stoked. Two years in, yeah. nothing but good things. We continue to watch the product. Happy about it. Their last pay-per-view was dope as shit. So, um, you know, they got some shit to tighten up and as everyone else does, because like everyone you said, nothing's yeah. perfect. All right, moving along. All right. So the most elusive man in wrestling has obviously become the one, the only fiend, uh, the eater of worlds, Bray Wyatt. I thought we thought he was going to debut on AEW, but he did not. Then yeah, so what's the deal? The rumors are he was going to sign with Impact, but yet he still is not found. And he remains the one free agent that everybody is waiting to sign. In fact, none other than recent Braun Strowman has claimed in an interview the one person he wants to wrestle is Bray Wyatt. Right. And yet he's nowhere to be found. Didn't Braun Strowman just wrestle EC3? I think so. And he was yeah. talking, I think it was part of his uh, kind of some of his uh, interviews moving in because uh, that was his first match back. Right. Um, he was talking about that and he basically called out Bray Wyatt. Uh, well, he did it by his real name because yeah, you know, obviously Braun Strowman was part of the Wyatt family and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but this, see, so I put this on there one because I love Bray Wyatt. I'm very interested to see where he goes because like his character doesn't necessarily fit into a lot of these other promotions. Mm -hmm. And so I'm interested to see where he goes, but it is just interesting how I feel going back to kind of, we were talking about AEW is like the wrestling free agent market is though not quite like it is for the NBA. It's pretty up there right now. Yeah. Because there's so much talent being released and you're always wondering where they're going to go, where they're going to fit in. And Bray Wyatt continues to be the one, the one elusive signing that we're waiting for, really. I mean, he's kind of the last really big talent who's been released. True. Who hasn't signed. So, um, obviously, we are huge fans of the work he's done. So, I sneaked him in, sneaked him into the top five because I want to talk about just... I wanted to just mention that. That's all. All right. And then to round this out, you've got some Fightland results. Yes. 
So Fightland, um, they filmed it a week ago on a Sunday, uh, but it actually just aired Thursday on Vice. Really big deal for MLW. Um, getting on Vice TV, also having this huge match, like the match of we've been waiting for, we've been pumping, Fat 2 versus Hammerstone, Champion versus Champion. Um, and so that was really the highlight of the night. And I know you just recently watched that match. Yeah, right before we got on here. And for a match with two big guys, and I'll have to say is that's how you book that match. Like, no one really, like, you know, of course, Hammerstone was going to fight from underneath. But as big as Hammerstone is, it looked believable because Fatu is a maniac. And um, I just thought it was a good hard-hitting match. Uh, finally, Hammerstone has got that elusive title to unify both those titles. And Fatu had a great, one of the better world title runs that I've seen in any promotion, uh, bar none. So MLW did good on that match. I, haven't, I have to still have to watch the rest. Yeah, the other one that I thought was super interesting that I caught was um, Myron Rita to defend his title um, against uh, uh, just a cadre of um, opponents. So it was Myron Reed, the champion, versus Tajiri versus a Rez versus a Ramez. So basically, fatal four way, right? Like, right. And Myron Reed, if you remember from our archives or if you follow, he had a really nice um, kind of feud with Leo Rush. Right. Uh, put on some great matches. And in fact, the last one where he got the title back from uh, Leo Rush was really, really good. So he was up against this and he actually he ended up dropping the title to uh, Tajiri. So, yeah, that's um, what I heard. Yeah, and it was a you know what I saw it was a really good match. Obviously, when you get these four four way matches, they kind of get crazy. But MLW and and especially with the talent, they're not afraid of having some big spots and some chaotic brawling. So I really enjoyed it, and those were really the two big matches that we should talk about. Um, and it is kind of weird because they at the live show they did a bunch of opera cup matches but i don't necessarily think that they've actually aired yet so yeah, um, so at we'll, this point we'll i don't i don't want to necessarily talk about them but just to recap just put those on the, the back burner hey just put those on the back burner so like when they air we can talk about them yeah exactly and i'm just looking so but just a reminder to everybody opera cup is uh four brackets we've got uh lawler versus uh davy um Davey richards Richard. we've got um we got bobby fish making his wrestling return going up against um i'm not finally i'm not i'm not gonna remember that dude's name um shit the dude who signed with aw anyways yeah so it's it's good and then the other thing just to to talk about it before you move on. Uh, Will Ospreay is going to be making some MLW appearances, and I am excited about that. Right. He also um, was saying some stuff about Omega and Punk and Brian Danielson, too. He was obviously in character, but he was talking about how he was better than all of them and stuff like that. It was a good interview. I meant to put it on here, but I'll have to remember it for next time. Um, let's move on, though. Yeah, odds and ends. We talked about the big youth push. Um, you want to talk about who's going to end the reigns of terror? 
Yes. Do you like what I did there? I do. Um, I really like it. I think it's Chris. It's uh, Halloweeny. Exactly. So with the move, so name me the big guys, the main eventers or upper mid card to main eventers that moved to SmackDown. Well, obviously, Charlotte Flair, who's going to probably beat him. She'll probably beat Reigns. Yeah, that's all right. Second uh, Drew McIntyre. Right. Um, Jeff Hardy. Right. Um, Drake Maverick. Okay. John Morris. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Mace Mansoor, Mustafa Ali. Wow. All right. Let's keep going down. Um, Sa- oh, Sasha Banks. No. Oh, King Nakamura. He's still on SmackDown. Oh, Sheamus came over. Sheena Baszler. Yeah. Uh, so in essence, nobody. Ricochet. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, nobody. Literally nobody. Nobody. The one person who actually could have, Rollins, is now on He's Raw. gone, yeah. And it's like, so this is, so this is what I'm talking about. They put no one viable to take his title. They, it seems to me, which I'm afraid of, they're literally waiting for The Rock to free up. And they're going to have Reigns hold that title. Or Brock Lesnar, since he's a free agent, which are both bad moves to do, to give, to have, because The Rock's not going to get it. But like having him Reigns hold the title for that long is not necessary. Or having him drop the title to Brock Lesnar is not necessary either. So this is like, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I can't really get into it. Because what Nakamura is just not viable. He's been doing funny skits with Rick Boogs or Boggs or whatever his name is. Um, Drew McIntyre's already had a run for with the title, and I don't think he necessarily needs to be Reigns. They need someone else that's new, not new, but like up and coming to be Reigns. Yeah, and they don't. There's literally like no up and coming people on SmackDown, and let and they they can't build anyone. So I'm not confident in them saying they're going to build somebody up because they. Don't I don't know. know. I don't know. What, I mean, what do you think about just slapping the name Bearcat on Keith Lee? That's pretty awesome building, right? And it's like Keith Lee, I'd be totally fine with, but I think he's on Raw. He's on Raw. Of course, he's on Raw. Yeah. Like, so I don't know there, what the, there is yeah. no up and comer on SmackDown or anybody that's viable. Like, yeah, with the exception of Drew McIntyre, but that's not going to happen. And Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte will probably be the one. Yeah, probably. All right. Let's yeah, I totally agree with that. Though I think that's really perceptive, uh, and you know, absolutely. So I, I'm not impressed with NXT at 2.0. Yeah. I, I was reading that. I was reading that. I haven't gotten to watch. I've only gotten to watch like bits and pieces of it. And I agree somewhat with your sentiments. Like there's some good stuff on there, but it's just too many new green guys that I really don't want to watch because they're just kind of like, they don't have enough. It's too bottom it's too bottom heavy now. Like it's too many green guys. So it's like, so I just, it's, it's hard for me to get excited about it. Like I like, um, I like uh Braun breaker, you know, and I like uh Joe, Joe Hedry. I think that's his name. I forget what that guy's name, the kind of like SJWS guy. That's always positive. He's kind of funny. 
because he's different. The one who wants to have a safe space. Yes. The one who's yes. trolling, the one who's trolling all the MAGA people. Right. And I like creating them because he's like uh, he's um, woke, which is. Yeah, I like that guy. He's funny. Hilarious. I think he's great. But other than that, like I just I'm not buying the group with Mandy Rose and um, and those two other girls. Yeah, I don't know what they call him. Something attraction. The toxic attraction. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not buying. You know what it reminds me of? What? Remember when Baszler had those two flunkies with her? Right. And it's the same thing because they're terrible. But the the two the the orange haired girl is good. The other one I don't know too much about. And Mandy Rose is not that good. She's just good to look at. You know, so I just and they're the supposed to Mandy Rose is next in line for Raquel Gonzalez. No. And that was such a short match, too, with um, Frankie Monet. And we knew she had no shot at beating her, which is, you know. Yeah. So, like, I'm going to agree with your sentiments. Yeah, I'm not really impressed so far. There's some high there's some high points, but all in all, still, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that you you just hit like kind of it's like all of what you said is like indicative of the car, the overall it's like they're in transition. They're trying to capture people's interest by like, like Champa is the champion, but then Braun breaker is getting hot shotted, but you were still seeing Pete Dune. Like I liked, I liked the, what is it? The diamond mine. Yes. I like them. I like the diamond mine, but also it's like, it sucks because hit rows leaving. So it's like, that yeah. was one of the high spots that they're going to get rid of. And then like, you know, Frankie Monet is just being squandered. Like, right. and they I have think a they're t- doing that on purpose. Yeah. I mean, that's how they generally have done it in the past, but it's like, you guys are resetting. You don't have the luxury of punishing indie, an indie wrestler. I know. Show them your way. It's like your guys' women division. You know, it's just, and I mean, it's nice. I like that uh, Io Shirai is back. Um, but just like an odd pairing and, and it's just really dis, it's just really disjointed. I think that's, more than anything. that's, that's, I agree with that. So but not I'm, impressed. I'm, I'm willing to hold out, you know, my full stamp on this because like you said, it is, it, it is in transition. So I'm not expecting it to be like, you know, great right off the cusp. And the thing is too, I've heard McMahon's kind of lost interest. So I don't know how much water that holds, but he's kind of off of it now. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but I'll keep checking it out here and there just to be up on this. Yeah, I will too. Like I still love MSK. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, like I said, it's not bad. It's yeah. Just, like this last week I really enjoyed, they did like, they did the MSK versus um, Grizzly young veterans with some new tag team that they they're pumping. And yeah. it was a good match. Like it was good. And, yeah, MSK like, and Grizzly young veterans are great. So it's a good way to nobody, bring in new talent. So I like yeah. that aspect of it, but the Nobody's whole show like that bad. It's just like, they're just a lot of green guys. It's too many green guys at once. That's- yeah. And it's such a, it's like I, a year ago, a year and a half ago was like undisputed arrows, the height of their reign and Imperium right. and like, and it's just so weird, like how fast they switched it. And, and, you know, it could be really good. It could be really good, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. The last thing we have to do on this before we tie this up. Um, Seth Rollins did an interview on Stone Cold's podcast 
And I heard a lot of grumblings about it. So I decided to put it on here. I was wondering, did you catch any of it? I caught just like the the Twitter outrage. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it's it, there was it wasn't a lot of things that I didn't know. I mean, when he was pissed off about the, that abomination of a match with the fiend, I was like, that's of course he was mad. Everybody else was. So I couldn't imagine. Yeah, we were all it. mad. Yeah, we were all mad at that. But like when the, Triple H told him he was on the um, cusp of getting the boot. I can see that was pretty interesting because, you know, he didn't want to play ball. And so backstory, um, Seth Rollins is coming when he was playing as Tyler Black. He came and, you know, he was wrestling the FCW and he wasn't really playing ball to their style. And Triple H pretty much told him, he's like, I'm not impressed with you. He's like, you can go back and do what you want to do in ROH, but, you know, you, you got to play ball here. And I think somebody told him that and then he changed it. And now he's like a company guy and, you know, had, had a, has had a great run. It's a good interview because Seth Rollins is more likable when he's talking like that. Right. When they're, they're talking about his baby face run. And it's just like, it wasn't very sincere, you know, like the, per, um, what's his name? Kobe, Kobe Lopez, the good, the real person. There's some arrogance to him. There's a little tint of arrogance and, you know, he's very high up on himself and rightfully so he's very good. But this is the part that's a little bit more likable. This is the Seth Rollins that I like, not this like pandering to the crowd and like forcing it. So it was a pretty good interview. Stone Cold always runs good interviews. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, check it out. Yeah, I agree. uh, We obviously do not hold back on our um, honest assessments of any pro wrestler or talent. Um, And I think like, to me, his interview kind of just reinforced everything we had said. Right. And he is way more thoughtful when he's doing an interview with a legend like Steve Austin than when he is with his troglodyte thumbs talking about his paycheck to people, you know? Right. Right. So, and he's been around a long time. Ring of Honor, like, he's an indie guy. Like, it's really interesting to hear his story because he is as good as there is in on the main roster right, right. now. Right. Yeah. So we forget, like, you know, as we're, you know, calling them, like when people like to call us like indie marks and stuff like that, it's like, you know, and Seth Rollins, he might seem like a WWE shill, but he's an indie guy through and through. So, you know, we don't, our reservation is like, if you do something that's kind of unsavory or act a little douchey, we're going to call you out. Just like we're going to call you out if you do something, some stuff that are good. So it doesn't matter if you're from the indies or the WWE, like, we're just, this is what we do. And we're going to probably put this on shirts. We call it right down the middle. Yes. Right down the middle. And that's how we have to end this first half. Yes. Because we're going to take a powder and we're going to come back with the coolest shit on this other side of the pillow. Yup.
And once again, we are back with your favorite segment, my favorite segment, Bobby's favorite segment, and the Dark Lord's favorite segment. What do we like to call it? We like to call it cool shit. Yeah, and cool shit always starts out with the motherfucking mailbag. Yeah, bro. Despite despite what DeJoy wants to do to our mail, first class always comes to the rest of the Ocalypse on time, hot as can be. Yeah. What is the first question we got? Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. I can already read it. It's a two-parter. Two-parter right out of the gate, huh? I know. Off. It's like, I mean, is this the is this the Kentucky Derby? We're getting out of the gate like this. All right, Clay Dempsey. Right out of the gate, two-parter. You said it, not me. Who do you prefer when it comes to Brian Danielson and CM Punk? Part one. Part two. If you could only choose one to have in a promotion, who would it be? Wow. Asking the tough questions right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, geez, he made Bobby fucking choke. I know. Just reading that, like, serious, it's such a hot question. My my throat is parched. That son of a bitch, DeJoy, could never deliver something hot like that. Never, never. But I'll jump in with Clay Dempsey right now. I'll dodge the left hand. What I want to say is the who do I prefer personally? I I personally prefer the American Dragon. Um, as much as I love CM Punk, I love his. Everything about his run in WWE, the pipe bomb. We've obviously uh, multiple times have looked back at a match of the week of his um, his feud with, for instance, Samoa Joe and Ring of Honor. Um, big fan of his as well. But um, as Xander so eloquently put it, we just look at right now the difference today of how Brian Danielson carries himself to the ring and in the ring versus CM Punk. And Brian Danielson is just the better, the better professional wrestler at this point in his career. Right. Um, And even before we're going to put this to today, like I'll take Brian Danielson over CM Punk, even though CM Punk is the more charismatic of the two Brian is as well, but it's just like, yes, CM Punk had a seven year layoff. So I'm giving him some slack in that aspect, but overall, no matter what, Danielson's had him in the ring, you know, and the thing is with Brian, why I would pick Brian Danielson, because he can have a, he can run a good match with anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter what style it is. Like Brian Danielson can wrestle anybody and the crowd loves him. He's really, he's charismatic himself. He's very good on the mic. He can go baby face. He can go heel. Whereas CM Punk, we love CM Punk, but it's like, he just has more fire in his gut when he's a heel because it's like, it's like, it shows, I'm not saying he's a heel in real life, but he's kind of a snarky dude. So it's just, it just works better for me, but both guys I'm huge fans of, but like uh, to answer the question again, I'm going to go Brian Danielson as well. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at it just to wrap this up real fast, it's like, if you look at it from like a Tony Khan or promoters perspective, um brian danielson can give you more cm punk is cm punk it's like his character is who it is he's a tweener so he can go either way we like him a little bit better heelish but babyface works sometimes too whereas brian danielson has been everything from the yes guy to the no guy to the planet's champion you know it's like he just he can give you so much more and he can go in so many different directions which versatility as a pro wrestler 
you know, and then obviously I feel he got a lot better working with creative with WWE, really figuring out how to like maximize his, his popularity with. Yeah. You could just tell, like, like I said, back in the beginning segment, like he stuck out in a good way versus uh, against all those guys. And, you know, none of those like Omega and the bucks and Adam Cole are not green, but it's just like Daniel Bryan has had that huge exposure and he's had like, he knows how to like, accent accent his like hits and stuff like that and they sell for him and it just it shows he knows how to stand out you know and i think that's what a, a lot of these guys in AEW are missing yeah they have like the sweet move sets and stuff like that but it kind of all runs together and when daniel bryan comes in you hear the crowd and he's rejuvenated and he just knows when to turn it on when to turn it off he's the guy's just great and he's gotten better yeah, he definitely has gotten better. So thanks for the question, Clay MC. We broke it down for you, both parts, like a one-two punch, like a combination. But we got to move on to this person, odd name, but I get it, I guess. No more words, except for the ones I'm going to read right now. I've read on a few websites that some fans say they can't take CM Punk seriously ever since his stint in UFC. I know you guys are punk fans. But did you ever agree with this after his losses in UFC? No, straight up. No, like I didn't think he would be successful in UFC just because I know he doesn't have any of that kind of a background. And, you know, he's not that much of an athletic guy. He's a he's a he's a pro wrestler. And so, like, I did. not But the thing is, to answer the go back to the question. No, because I don't watch him. It's because I don't, I think he's an actual badass. I watch him because I enjoy him as a professional wrestler. That's like me saying, like, I can't take Chris Hemsworth seriously if he does a rom com as Thor. You know, like these guys are playing a part. So, you know, obviously there are some guys that are like legit shooters and stuff like that, but it that it didn't really wage on me. Like, I don't, I don't care. He did something he wanted to do and he got paid handsomely for it. Did he get it take an ass a couple ass whippings? Yes but it's not going to stop me from liking what he's done in the ring. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And like, which is crazy. It's like, guess what? The dude was, he's financially viable. This is something that he said he wanted to do, but based on the momentum he got in WWE, he put it off and he tried to be some person who's going to like, and Hey, just for all of the people, if you have some like 35, 38-year-old friend who's telling you that they're going to start training and they're going to go into UFC, point out CM Punk as the reason why not to because these people now have been training since they were 12. Right. That's like, what, that was my next point. You know, and CM Punk, he brought exposure to everyone he fought against. Yeah. Like, so, no, of course not. He, you know, he's a great professional wrestler. He's a terrible MMA fighter. Not everyone, not everyone can be a great MMA fighter and a terrible professional wrestler. Yeah, like, let's remember Michael Jake Jordan. Hager. Let's remember Michael Jordan, the best basketball player on the planet. One of them um, was terrible at baseball. So you know, like you can't be good at everything. Yeah, I mean, not everyone's gonna be Brock Lesnar, right? So that was a great question. I appreciated that. Hopefully, we're um, we're gonna get off the CM Punk tip and we're gonna talk yeah. about. A real athlete. This is from Tommy Oliver. Matt Stafford has been having a career resurgence so far. 
I wanted to know what you guys thought of this. And do you think the Rams will be able to sustain their momentum? So question, do you feel like this is actually our friend, Tony Safechuck? <laughs> trying to, to, to sneak one in on us, trying to get us to talk poorly on Matthew Stafford. And, you know, if he's trying to, he failed because I'll never talk poorly about Matthew Stafford. <laughs> but, like I've always liked Matt Stafford. I thought he was good. He was just on a shit team. And so, you know, there's only so much you can do. There's only so many, so many, so much lemonade you can make. And I think, yeah, he's been great this year. I think he's like third in the league in touchdowns. He's like, he's like first or second in completions. In yardage. <coughs> so, I mean, the Rams are a high powered machine. And, but if they don't, like I said, in last week's episode, if they don't get injured, they can make some noise if they can get past those pesky Arizona undefeated Tweety birds. Yes. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about this in the next segment, but yeah, definitely surprised on that, but yes, I agree. So um, he's got 12 touchdowns to three interceptions over five games. Um, he's got a completion percentage of 68%, 117 of 172 attempts, which, you know, I feel like always when you're looking at completion attempts, you know, you got to judge apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Every offense is different. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's on one of the best, the best teams in the NFL, I feel. And, um, you know, I think he feels hope he's in LA. He's got his boy Clayton Kershaw there to show him the ropes. His team is, it's very stacked. I mean, it's yeah. very good. So they're just in a tough ass division. Right. Like, right. That's a, that's a crazy, crazy hard division. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome when we get, uh, well, we'll talk about the Cowboys later. So anyways, right. Oh, Baron Corbin's Corbin's mustard stain. This must be sad Corbin. <laughs> I don't think Happy Corbin has any mustard stains. No. But anyways, ooh, this is the loaded question mustard stain or is that Dave Mustaine? Ooh, I like what you did there. Did you guys check out the new Dave Chappelle special and the backlash he has been getting? Just wanted to know what you guys thought and if it was warranted. I didn't catch the special, but I've heard about the aftermath of it and stuff like that. And I have to choose my words very carefully here because I don't want to upset anyone. Um, I don't think what he said deserved what he's getting. And I just think like one of the things about stand-up comedy that's cool is like, you know, nobody's really safe. Like everybody's off the table. And, the, and what I, this is just my opinion, mind you. And, you know, if anybody disagrees with me and like, I'm not meaning to offend anyone or anything. I just didn't think what he said was that much of a reason to be up in arms like everybody is about. So that's my stance on it. Well, then let me tell you why you're wrong. Now I am. Um... So basically what I feel about it is I'm going to answer these questions. Uh, yes, I saw the, I didn't watch the whole thing. I saw why people, I saw all the clips of why people are angry and I've seen the backlash he has been getting. What is it warranted? Of course it's warranted. Like in, in this, like this is, 
Dave Chappelle is putting this out there to basically demand that people react to it. So if you're upset about it, yeah, it's warranted. That's that's part of the art that he's doing. He's being provocative for a reason, right? He's trying to get people to think differently about a social situation. And whether you agree with it or not, because the reality is, is as much as he's gotten backlash, he just got a standing ovation here in L.A., which is not exactly a bastion of conservative thinking, especially when it comes to LGBTQ community. Right. So it's like, I think people get a lot of twisted. What like, I think he's operating at a, he's communicating at a level that a lot of people struggle to deal with. Um, I understand why people question, and it seems like he keeps going back to this well over and over again, right? Yeah, I, I got that part. Yeah, and and I agree with that because I think with any artist or comedian, you want to see something different, some evolution or whatever. But I mean, at the same time, it's like you can't ex- you can't elevate this person because of how eloquently he discussed, um, you know, the murder of uh, of George Floyd with his nine minute like which is one of the greatest pieces of oration there is and then like demean him because when he did this stand-up comedy you didn't appreciate his message right and that's the thing that i was trying to like wrap my head around it's like he said stuff about this that those same people were like you know patting him on the back for and then he said something like this which was like you know that's a sensitive subject as well and then now he's getting like ran through raked through the coals for it. And yeah, he does repeat, he does revisit that well a little bit. Um, but the thing is, it's like, I'm not saying that like, oh, you should, I'll, you know, I'm not, it's, I'm trying to choose my words pretty carefully here. It's just like, so we take that off the table because he said that. And what's next? I mean, it's not like so much what's next off the table. It's like, I didn't think he was doing anything, meaning anything malicious by it. You know, like it wasn't anything. I just think it was an overreaction. Let's just put it that way. That's I'm just going to come out and say it. It was overreaction. And I understand the struggle. I do. But it's just, I don't know. It's just more of the stuff that's oversensitized. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's a loaded question. Baron Corbin's mustard stain. Um, but and especially from where we stand, which is, you know, everyone's out of their own opinion. Right. Um, Everyone does. And like I said, I'm an ally. You know what I mean? And like, I'll be the and I'm sure Bobby feels the same way. We'll be the first ones to be like, OK, that was bullshit. You shouldn't really have said that. And like, all I'm saying is like, I'm not agreeing. I'm not saying, oh, dude, like these people are totally out of line. They're snowflakes. I'm just saying it's like, is is it really that much is it really worth it to be that much up in arms over it? Like, that's all I'm saying. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, just to to finish this off, one thing I always wonder, it's like, you know, it elevates the, like, regardless of whether you agree with what he said or not, it's elevating the discussion about this subject. And this is what comedians do. It's the same shit with like, the four words you can't say that George Carlin did. We talk yep. about Lenny Bruce, like, you know, and they're not always going to be winners, but they're going to at least create conversation, which if you're a free speech, you know, a believer in free speech, believer in 
you know, moving conversations forward. That's super important. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's still funny as shit. Like, yeah, like it's like, I'm not really the, it's just, it's a lot of things that let's just put it this way. It's a lot of things I want to say, but I'm not going to, because we're still off the ground, the ground zero of this. And I don't want to lose any of you guys because you took something the wrong way or couldn't put it in words that like could kind of explain my whole meaning. Like, I don't think it was that big of a deal to get up in arms with. He's still a great comedian. I don't think he meant anything malicious by it, but you know, this is the world we're living in right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And guess what? Like, other than this question, we don't go around thinking about if we agree with Dave Chappelle's take on, you know, this. But what I do go around all day, every day thinking about is our newest but temporary segment, Offsides and Delay of Game, the Wrestleocalypse NFL segment. Yes, this is one I've been trying to get um, ready for because this is going to be cool. It's not going to be all the time. Obviously, it's going to flow with the um, NFL season, but let's get into it because we have last week and then we have, you know, pretty much this week to talk about since we are recording this on a Sunday. Yeah, indeed. And I mean, I wrote this last week, but it seems to be so, so uh, timely anyways. Uh, last week, Zeke returned to form, had a great game against the obviously overrated Carolina Panther defense. Yeah. Or Perhaps they were equally, maybe they were properly rated, and that's how good Dallas's offense is. And then Zeke again uh, had a great game this week as um, the Cowboys demolished their division opponent, the New York Giants. Yeah, they just took them to the woodshed today. Like, I mean, to, to be fair, this is all I will be fair. The Giants did not give up and they played them tough. But we were just sending the Cowboys were just sending a lot of them to the locker room, not on purpose, but it was just like it was one thing after another. Like a lot of those guys got injured, especially uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah, ooh, he led with his helmet. Yeah, he did. He's the one that initiated it. Yeah, the way he was like going in, and and he definitely, I like. I'm glad it was a no call because you always worry about that. Yeah, yeah, and you don't want to see that period like because that dude was fucked up oh he got up drunk like yeah. you see his face like his eyes were glazed over like donuts yeah they had to cart him off like it was uh you know a nintendo baseball game right and so i hope he's all right I, i'm sure he will be but i mean that's not the play i would have called you know especially with the defense that's been as stout as dallas has you know throughout the for these first five games um they've been playing well like I said, I'll just go back to the thing. It's like, let's tighten up some of the big plays because they did um, give up some big plays today. It's just a good thing that it was the Giants and they're not that good. So they kind of played like shit the first half and then they kind of turned it up in the second half. Um, Dak's been firing on all cylinders. CeeDee Lamb's been great. And Trayvon Diggs is just like, he's like another receiver, but he's in the secondary. Another interception, man. Yep. And it yep. was a great one. Uh, he like, you know, he basically, he let the receiver go by and then he ran to the ball and gave him a little nudge and easy, easy uh, interception. Yeah. He's got great um, um, recovery speed. That's what yeah, I've noticed. He, he's a, seems like a big dude. Yeah. You know, that Stefan Diggs's brother. Well, you know, there's something to be said about genetics. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, that was uh, that was great from the Cowboys. Um, the the Cardinals 
are still five and zero. Yeah, like definitely didn't expect them to beat the Rams. Obviously, we were just talking about you know how much we like Stafford, but they just I don't know. It's they're defying the odds, like like the San Francisco Giants, I guess. I mean, yeah, they they looked good. Uh, I think they they won to yeah they did win today. And they just, they look like they're the real deal. I mean, they don't, nobody seems to have like an answer for them. Who's that quarterback's name again? What's his name? I don't even know. I don't, literally, I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up. I mean, they have a, they like, they, their defense is demonstrably better than everybody in their division. Right. With, with September. You know, September Russell Wilson hits October, and he is definitely um, Tyler Murray. Kyle Murray, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they look good. And then um, you have here San Diego looks legit, and they were in a shootout with uh, the Cleveland Browns today. That was really good. I didn't get to watch that game, but I saw the highlights. Yeah, Jesus, 42 to 47. Like, yeah. Crazy, but like we've talked about, uh, and I have this on here, um, that quarterback from San Diego who Miami did not pick because they picked two. Uh, I think he is definitely that conversation is going to get louder. Like Justin Herbert is really, really good. Yeah, he is. And we've been talking about him for a couple weeks as, as we've been building our NFL segment. So, um, yeah, what a freaking game. 42 to 47. Jeez. Yeah, no one's playing defense, but yeah, that was a game. And then um tonight, the um the Kansas City Chefs just dropped another game to the Bills Mafia in the arrow. Yeah. I mean, I you know, for a second I thought Jim Kelly was like it was behind center. I felt like Andre Reed perhaps was you know, Thurman Thomas in the backfield. Cornelius Bennett on the defensive side, but no, it's actually a new Bills team and they look really good. Yep. And I think um, what's happened is Kansas City has been exposed and they have some things to kind of tighten up because they're sitting at two and three now. And I don't think their division is not easy either. That's what I mean. Their schedule is not going to get any easier. And I don't give a shit how good your offense is. If you don't play defense, the offense can only score so much. I remember the Dallas Cowboys had this problem, man, in the early 2000s when Tony Romo was hitting his stride. They had, uh, this is when they had Owens, not Owens. Yeah, they had Owens and then they had Des Bryant. And they were putting up 35 points a game like, like that, but they were losing. So if you if putting up 35 points isn't enough to win the game, there's some other problems. Mm-hmm. So that's very telling. And especially when they're getting um, handled by these good teams. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're going to see. But also I feel like they're cocky. Yeah. I feel like they can just win any game and the NFL doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. They figure you out. They're figuring yeah. you out right now. They're watching videotape right now. You know, they're watching videotape on Trayvon Diggs and they're probably just not going to throw in his direction. So, and it's like, the thing is they didn't, they weren't, they haven't been drafting defense. And I said this last week, it's like, you know, the offense, the offense will get figured out. The defense has to do its job as well. It's got to be balanced. It's got to be balanced. 
Yeah. And I mean, we're just asking really like, you know, if you have a below average offense, you need to have a really good defense. But if you have a great offense, you just need a league average defense. Right. Like exactly. don't give up big plays, get a turnover once or twice a game, you know, just like it doesn't take a lot, but no. We're going to move right in to get rid of one because this is actually an NFL-based get rid of one, so it ties in so well. It's nice. almost like a flea flicker, if you will, which we saw that today, if you if you remember. I did. I do remember. So just because, you know, thinking about the best team in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys, would you get rid of a 49-yard touchdown pass from Dak Prescott to CeeDee Lamb? Or would you get rid of the 24-yard touchdown pass from Dak Prescott to Amari Cooper? Or would you get rid of the Ezekiel Elliott 13-yard run for the touchdown? Or would you get rid of the Anthony Brown 45-yard interception to ice the game? Oh, those are all good. But if I had to get rid of one... I'd get rid of the Anthony Brown pick six because the game was already iced and it wasn't needed, but it was a nice cherry on top. But um, you know me, when you watch a Cowboys game with me, like I want a complete ass whipping until the score says zero, zero. So like, even if they're up by two touchdowns during the game, um, I mean, I meant the clock zero, zero. Um, so if I'm watching during the game, I want them to score as many points as possible during the game. I don't care. But, yeah, if I have to get rid of one, I'm going to get rid of the pick six. Yeah, I mean, just to be different, the reason I like the pick six is <sighs> it's the first time they really slammed the door on an opponent this season. Yeah, that's it's true. Hang around. So I like that. I'd probably get rid of the, the Zeke touchdown, the 13-yard run, because, I mean, the other two were just the the, the – CD Lamb was just in stride. It was such a great throw. Like it was a great throw and catch. Like CD Lamb's been great. I mean, he put that right in the perfect spot too. So yeah, I'm not. I couldn't touch that one. And then same with the Mari Cooper one. Yeah, know? he just like it barely like it probably could have been intercepted, but yeah, it wasn't because he because he threaded that needle. Yeah, he did. So. And then, yeah, the Zeke touchdown run was cool. Like, I just liked having him score touchdowns because he's, like you said, in uh, a couple of weeks ago, he kind of like was trying to find his groove. And I think he found it these past couple of games. And I think it really helps with Troy Pollard um, um, switching the downs with him. Yeah. You know? So, like, nobody's, like, just gassed all the time. The one-two which is, punch. Which makes it super dangerous because both of those guys are good in different ways. Mm-hmm. And like, if they keep this up, this is, this is good because they've been playing like different games and the offense has been clicking, like save for a few mistakes that they made in the early parts of the games, they locked it up and they played really well against a division opponent. I don't care how shitty anybody in that division is, they can get a win about off each other, no matter what. Yeah. So those are never games that I take lightly. Yes. Yes, indeed. So that get rid of one was just. That's good, dude. That's good. It was a. It was timely. You know, timely. That's what I go for. Yeah, right on. Right on the money too. Like right for today. Like you could. If today didn't happen, you wouldn't have been able to do it. No, exactly. It's embracing the now. That's what we do right here. Yeah. Slot clips. Um. Or we go deep into the past, like twenty years ago, for the yeah. match of the week. 
Yeah, this came up. Um, I'm not, I'm trying to remember how I picked this. Oh, because I was watching um, a review of No Mercy. I watched this um, guy's review something sometimes. It's called Wrestling with Regret. That's a plug. And he reviews some wrestling pay-per-views and he does. Um, and it's just cool to rewatch them without sitting down and rewatching them, you know? So he gives the high points. It's really well done. And um, I ran into this match with Kane and Test. And Test, Andrew Martin, was always one of my favorite underrated big guys. And Kane is Kane. And, you know, everybody's used to the matches with Kane and The Undertaker or Kane and Edge, like when he took the mask off. So I wanted to find, I wanted, I like this match because there's a really good match with Mask Kane and Test, who was coming up at the time. Yeah, and it's crazy because it's such a weird pay-per-view. Yeah, it was a weird one. I mean, it's like this preceded a lingerie match between Tori and Stacey Keeler. Right. Because it was no. doing that like invasion angle. Yeah. So, so and then I, like, I guess I never think about Test, but that dude was giant as well. Yeah. He's huge. He was like 6'6. Six, six. Yeah. I mean, he was trying to give Kane big boots. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and Kane was eating them. And it was like, and the thing is, Test, what was cool about Test is he was agile. Like his top rope elbow, I don't know if he hit it on this, but he might have missed it. But he usually hits an elbow from the top and it's, it was very nice looking. And like this guy, he could have hit a higher, I mean, he hit a ceiling and he just never got really back on track when he left. They brought him back again, but it just didn't work out. And he had some substance issues that kind of got, that got the, not kind of, that got the best of him. So that was, that's unfortunate, but this match is really good because you don't get to see Kane with a lot of people wrestling in this length of a match. And um, it just showed off both of them, the, what they could do. Yeah, definitely. Um, the referee definitely played a role in the match. Yes. And then there was some shenanigans afterwards because there was. I felt like this this storyline went on a little bit longer. Right. But also just what like I said, there was a lingerie match. Uh, there was a ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship with Christian versus Edge. Edge. That was very good. The Dudley Boys against Big Show and Tajiri. Yep. Not as good. Weird tag team. Yeah. Booker <laughs> T versus The Undertaker. Yeah, not a very good match. Now, The Rock versus Chris Jericho. Very good match. And then the Triple Threat, Stone Cold versus Kurt Angle versus Rob Van Dam. Damn. And this is the part that was, was one of the many... Um, what is it um, deficiencies with this evasion angle was that they could have really pulled the trigger on Rob Van Dam. Like, cause they had a lot of people defecting to the invasion to the W the Alliance side, the WCW ECW. I think it would have been cool. Cause Rob Van Dam was so over with the crowd and he was in the Alliance. If he would have defected to the WWE, like, yeah. I think that would have been cool. And they could have like, they just, I don't think they were sure on him or what, whatever the reason was, but I thought like it, that would have been cool. And I believe um the guy on the wrestling with regret says that too. And I I've always thought that, and I agreed with him as well. I want to give credit there also, but um, yeah, it was a weird pay-per-view, but that was a good match. So check it out. Like if you um, haven't seen that, I suggest you watch it. If you're a fan of, or if you've never heard of test. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a good one. Um, Dude, looks like you've been getting some TV in, brother. What have you been watching this week? Well, 
I have this on the top just because it reminded me because I was listening to last week's episode, just reviewing it. You, I remember you saying what we do in the shadows is the best vampire show out or ever. Did you say that? I don't know if I said ever, but it's very funny. Okay. I don't know if you said ever either, but if you did say ever, I was going to say Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel are going to ask you to hold their pints of blood. But anyways, um, I, I, I haven't got around to catching it yet. I just wanted to throw that digging at you since I am a heel now. No, that's fine. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to watch it because I'm, I've heard good reviews about it and I trust your um, judgment. So don't worry, I'll get to it. But um, this right here, um, on my, the other show I got into was Squid Game. I finally got into that. That's on Netflix. It's a pretty cool show about these people that are in debt and they get collected to play this game to kind of win this money. And they play these different games, but if they don't win the game, they get killed. So it's um, it was done in South Korea. I'm sure you guys heard about it. It uh, broke the internet over there. And now um, one of the big wigs in South Korea, one of the, I don't know who it is, but he's trying to sue Netflix. But besides that, it's a good show if you're into stuff like that. Uh, very dystopian-esque. So I'm only on episode four, so I'll be filling you guys in as I go. Now with the movie parts in here, I've been I, what I usually do for Halloween, I do a horror movie a day until I get to Halloween, and I'll usually watch multiples. I've been doing the best I can with my schedule. So um, I'll just run off some of the ones I've been watching so far. The first one, I started out with 30 Days of Night. If anyone's seen that, it's a vampire movie that takes place in Alaska where the vampires come when during that time where Alaska has that that time where the sun only comes up for a couple hours. In this case, it doesn't come up at all. So they're just running roughshod on this small town. I watched the original It, which was cool. I had it in the background while I was doing some homework. Um, just another classic movie. If you guys don't know it, then I'm just not going to say anything. Just watch it. It's on Hulu. I checked out Army of the Dead with Dave Batista. It was all right. It is what it was. I'm not, I don't hate it. Um, I put in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I thought that was a really fun movie. If you didn't know anything, if you didn't know certain things about our ex or our 16th president, he was not only president, he was also a pugilist and a vampire hunter. So um, fun fact of the day. And then I rounded it off with Rob Zombie's Halloween for a paper I had to write for my psych class. I did it on Michael Myers. So um, Rob Zombie's Halloween was very good because it starts out when Michael Myers was a kid and you see how you get like an insight of how he kind of developed into the boogeyman as he's later known in his later years. So very good adaptation. I enjoyed him. I, I don't know. I'll be bringing you more 30 days, 31 days of horror movies as the episodes go by this month. Well then, um, what have I been watching? So awesome this week. CM Punk was on one of my favorite shows on YouTube from the Complex channel. Uh, they do sneaker shopping. And so CM Punk came on. They talked about vans. He ended up buying a bunch of Jordans, uh, the bread and the Chicago Reds. Obviously, he's a Chicago guy. Um, it was just really cool. He's, again, like... As we talked about, uh, very all shucks, um, just happy to be here kind of attitude in this interview. But it was cool. It was cool to hear him talk about working at the comic book store and people coming in, searching for certain, you know, foil, foil pack covers and all the things that they were doing at the time. 
Um, so it was just cool. I really like that. Um, Betty Rebel and I, we always liked the ghost adventures, the, uh, you know, the Zach Baggins, uh, over the top, uh, paranormal investigations, but they did one at the Goldfield hotel. Uh, it's a special on D plus and it was really good. I liked it because one of the guys, Aaron totally attacked the uh, medium because of the demonic, uh, possession he underwent so just proving all this shit is super real obviously with all this this uh, evidence um so i really enjoy that it just really makes me feel like the voices in my head are obviously legitimate um and lastly really like this show on netflix we just rushed we just finished the season before i popped in the studio to record this metal shop masters on netflix just another fucking artsy competition show there's like 12 of the best metal shop workers and it's all just like metal shop sculptures and there's always a challenge and it's really fun to see what all these people can do with fucking metal because i thought it was about like actual heavy metal i was excited for a second well i mean you could envision you could mute it and watch them do it to heavy metal and it'd probably be pretty metal but good point um definitely the judges are not super metal they're more f- super kind of like, I don't know, hipstery, I guess, but they do some cool art. And I always like to see artists getting, getting, you know, getting a little bit of exposure. There we go. All right. So that was our watch of the week. And I forgot to tell you guys this out our mailbag. If you want to send us in your mailbags, your watch of the week, questions, comments, burials, TV shows, music, everything in between. You can get at me at Xander Hobbs. That's X-A-N-D-E-R underscore H-O-B-B-E-S. Bobby, where can they find you? They can find me at the Instagram on WrestleApocalypse. It's, um, you know, spelled like it sounds. If you're listening to this, you probably can tell how it's spelled. So, yeah. Bada bing. So let's get into some tunes. Like I just said, we're walking out to the music. Bobby, what are we coming out to today? Yeah, man, I gotta be. I've been. I caught this cool hip hop song. Um, it's called "None Shall Pass" by an artist called Aesop Rock, and it's just super awesome, and I like it. So here we go. Roll over. 
yeah, there it is. It's uh, it's cool. I mean, to me, it has a lot of. Uh, it's very reminiscent of some, you know, like a little bit of Wu Tang, a little bit of East Coast stuff, a little bit of like, um, just that kind of. I don't know. It's good. I just like it. Boom. All right. That's all I, that's all I can say about it. I'm not hating on it. Hey, speaking of rap songs, do you know The Rock did a song with Tech Nine? It's on Tech Nine's latest album. Dude, Tech Nine works with everybody. The Dirty Heads. We, and, just, we like, featured them earlier. Yeah, and The Rock just can do everything. So, I mean, anyways, I'm walking out to this is um was this was a recommendation from friend of the show and also fellow classmate Camilo. Um, this is by a band called Death Decline. And the song is called Useless Sacrifice. And I'd never heard this band before. And where he's a fellow metalhead. So he suggested it to me and it kicks ass. So check it out right now. Yeah, if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what will. Yeah, man. Uh, definitely thanks for the uh, the uh, recommendation, classmate. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, then just been, if you guys have a re- recommendation that I would like or you think Bobby would like, you know, please send it through. And he, Camilo's lucky because it got played. Most of the time, it probably won't. So just FYI. But that being said, since we're in the ring, we've got some dark side of the ring business to cover. Yeah, I mean, so to me, this was probably one of the least compelling episodes that I've seen in a while. Are you talking about the FMW or the other one? No, no, I'm talking about the uh, um, the uh, uh, Johnny... um, Johnny Johnny Canine Bruiser Bedlam. Yeah, Johnny Canine. I I like that one better than the FMW one, honestly. I don't. I didn't see the FMW one. Oh, you didn't end up watching that one. No. Yeah, because we're behind. So like the yeah. So the Johnny Canine was this week, and FMW was last week. So since you didn't see FMW, like let's put a pin in that. And then let's talk about the Johnny K9 one a little bit if we can. Yeah, I feel like um the Johnny K9 one wasn't that interesting, except for the fact that he was involved with the motorcycle gang. 
I mean, the fact that he blew up a police station was pretty intriguing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's like, I don't know. There was it was. I don't know. I feel like as they get deeper and deeper into this, they're going to the storylines become less wrestling. Like to me, this was more wrestling adjacent. Well, they're kind of running out of things to like cover because they've already like they kind of they didn't really like spread him out. I don't know if it's because if they didn't know how long the show would last or what. So they kind of just threw all the heavy hitters in at once. But, you know, they didn't really spread them out properly because like all the ones that we know and we know who knows what they have on deck. But I'm just saying, like, I just never really knew who this guy was. So that's why I was interested in it. And then all the stuff that he did that I was so heavy into, like, um, felony felony crime. Yeah. That, that, like, I was pretty um, amazed by that, like, not in a good way. But I was like, so that's that caught my attention. Was it one of the better ones? No. I'll agree with you on that. But um, we do have a good one coming up on Thursday, which is on Luna Vachon. So... You know, we'll have to keep um, the eye open for that. Yeah, and we know they're going to end strong with uh, steroid trials. Right. So we got those two to look forward to. I mean, you know, as in with every show about this, especially it's like, you know, they're trying to find salacious stories and eventually the well is going to run dry. Like the show has a shelf life. Yeah, and like, you know, we don't talk too much about the ratings, but like you can see it's like, you know, like Onita's FMW is pretty low. Yeah. You know, comparatively like to Brian Pillman, which was like over a quarter million viewers. So, yeah, because like a lot of people don't know what FMW is. Uh, and a lot of people that don't know what it is, don't really care to know what it is. You know what I mean? It's like, right. this is like a niche, niche kind of thing. Like I was telling Janine, like, I watched FMW when I was a kid just because it was so like gratuitous that as a 16 year old kid, well, why would I not watch that? You know, it's not really anything that I'm into now, but I just wanted to see where it came up from. And plus I like Hayabusa. So, um, but yeah, this is just how it's going to be. Uh, and I mean, just, I'm looking forward to this Luna Vachon episode next or this coming Thursday. So that's all I'm going to really divulge into that. Yeah, and we we are you know they're not all going to be winners. No. So, and on that note, I can't top that. And neither can I. Yours truly, Xander Hobbs. Ours truly in this life, Bobby B. We'll see you next time. We get shot.